The Old Testament reading for this, the last Sunday of the church year, comes from the prophet Malachi, the third chapter. Your words have been hard against me, says the Lord. But you say, how have we spoken against you? You have said it is vain to serve God. What is the profit of our keeping his charge, or of walking as in mourning before the Lord of hosts? And now we call the arrogant blessed. Evildoers not only prosper, but they put God to the test, and they escape. Then those who feared the Lord spoke with one another. The Lord paid attention and heard them, and a book of remembrance was written before him of those who feared the Lord and esteemed his name. They shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts, in the day when I make up my treasured possession, and I will spare them as a man spares his son who serves him. Then once more you shall see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between one who serves God and one who does not serve him. This is the word of the Lord. These are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. Blessed are those whose strength is in you. The epistle reading comes from Paul's letter to the church in Colossae, the first chapter. The Father has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And this is the word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel, which serves as the text for our sermon this morning, comes to us according to St. Luke, the 23rd chapter. There followed Jesus, a great multitude of the people, and of women who were mourning and lamenting for him. But turning to them, Jesus said, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For behold, the days are coming when they will say, Blessed are the barren, and the wombs that never bore, and the breasts that never nursed. Then they will begin to say to the mountains, Fall on us, and to the hills, Cover us. For if they do these things when the wood is green, what will happen when it is dry? Two others who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they cast lots to divide his garments. And the people stood by watching. But the rulers scoffed at him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself, if he is the Christ of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, 
coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanged railed at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, Truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. And this is the gospel of our Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. It seems hard to believe, but we have come to the end of another church year. It seems like just yesterday we were celebrating Easter, but time marches on, and the season of Advent is just around the corner. In these last Sundays of the church year, our readings focus on the end times, on Jesus' triumphant return, he comes again in glory to judge the living and the dead. This final Sunday is also known as Christ the King Sunday because it emphasizes the power and might and authority and eternal rule of our Lord Jesus Christ, proclaiming that he and he alone is King of kings and Lord of lords. But when you heard the gospel reading today, is that the image that you took away from it? It didn't really seem to fit that theme very well, did it? Because in our reading from Luke, we don't see much might and majesty. We don't see much pomp and circumstance. If you were asked to find a passage in the Bible that clearly shows Jesus' omnipotence and power and authority and kingliness, honestly, this might be one of the last places that you would look to think or think to look. Because here at Golgotha, we don't see a worldly king. We don't see the glitz and glamour, the royalty that we would expect. Here instead, we see the pinnacle of Jesus' humiliation. We see a man who seems to be under the authority of Pilate and Rome and the Jewish rulers. We see a man who is being mocked by the crowns. We see him nailed to a cross and publicly executed as a common criminal. We see suffering and pain. We see death. Sure, we read the sign that says, this is the king of the Jews. But we understand that that was written in mockery and derision by Pilate. Showing everyone who passes by what becomes of you if you try to elevate yourself above Caesar. The message was clear. You want to be a king? This is what happens. This is no king. This is someone who is taking an eternal beatdown from the true king, Caesar. This was the same mockery that Pilate used when he dressed Jesus up in the robe, wearing his crown of thorns, and proclaimed to the crowd, Behold your king. The message was clear. Jesus was no king. He was powerless. He stood under all authority, and he had nothing to offer. No power, no one to save him. 
And so the world looks to the cross and says, this is no king. This is nothing but a pathetic victim, a powerless wretch who died at the hands of his enemies. This is just a man who had big ideas, made really big claims, but they all came to nothing. And he wound up dying powerless, in excruciating pain. There is no power here, says the world. There is no glory here. There is no majesty. There is no authority. Because as they look to the cross of Jesus Christ, as they see his lifeless body hanging there, the message is clear. This is no king. But brothers and sisters in Christ, we see not with our eyes, but with faith. This is indeed our king. Here at the cross, even in his death, even as the world mocks and taunts him, even as everybody claims that there is no power whatsoever, here we see the full power and majesty and might of Jesus Christ. Here we do indeed behold our king. Here we see exactly what makes him not just a king, but the greatest of all kings. Here at the cross, we see not a tyrant, not a king who sets himself in power to make life easy for himself and to live off the riches of his people, not someone seeking after their own earthly glory and riches. Here we see what a king truly should be. Here we see a king whose only concern is for his people. Behold, a king willing to suffer for you. A king willing to die for you. A king willing to give up everything to set you free from your enemies. Can you think of any king or leader or politician in all of history who was willing to do this? The creator of all things who sheds his innocent blood to redeem his broken, sinful creation, to restore us as the children of God, we who are sinners, we who wanted nothing to do with Jesus Christ, we who despised and kicked at his authority and said, we don't want you to be our king. Behold, your king who saves you. His perfection and his mercy and his love and his power are fully on display at the cross as he suffers and dies for his sinful creation. But he is not a victim. He is not at all under anyone else's power. He is not subject to Pilate, to Rome, to the Jews, to the nails that held him to the cross. He is King of kings and Lord of lords. Even in his death. And because of that almighty power, even death cannot hold him. In victory, Jesus Christ rose again on the third day. And like a valiant king, he leads all his people in that victory. His victory over death was not just for himself, but it was for all his subjects, all those part of his kingdom, all who look to him in faith. By the grace of God, we too shall rise from the dead, and we too shall enter into his eternal kingdom of glory. As Paul writes in our epistle reading, the Father has transferred us from the, to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. 
For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Behold your king, who makes peace with you by his blood, by giving up everything so that you can be forgiven of your sin. By our sin, by our disobedience of Christ the King's perfect and holy law, we deserve only eternal death and condemnation. But as our King, Jesus was not content to leave us dead in our sin. Instead, he gave up everything to pay the price that we never could, so that we could be cleansed completely, that our sin could be paid in full. And now, all who acknowledge his ultimate authority, all who look to his cross and empty tomb in faith, we are transferred from the kingdom of darkness and hell that we deserve by our sin, and we are brought into his glorious kingdom of heaven by grace through faith. And there in that kingdom, there in heaven, there will be no more pain or suffering, no more struggling with sin and temptation, no more frustration or heartache or sorrow or tears, no more death. For all of these things have been crushed under the king's rule. Jesus Christ has conquered them all for us and has given us the eternal victory. There in heaven, there will only be the eternal glory of gathering around our glorious king's throne, serving him, singing out his praises for all eternity. We look forward to that glorious day when our King returns. But even now, as we await that day, we rejoice that our King is with us, guiding us, guarding us, protecting us, leading us on the path of righteousness, forgiving us of every one of our transgressions. Behold your King. The statement by Pilate, the sign proclaiming Jesus King of the Jews, they were all meant ironically, mockingly. Because when we see Jesus Christ hanging on the cross, we do not see what we would think of as a king. But when we understand who Jesus is, what he has done for us, we look to that same cross and we bow down in adoration and worship and praise, knowing that Jesus Christ is indeed King of kings and Lord of lords. The king who gave up everything to save his rebellious people. To bring us sinners back into his glorious kingdom. And because he has, because he has risen from the grave, we too shall rise. We too shall enter into his eternal kingdom of heaven with him. And there, with our own eyes, we shall behold our king. And we shall sing out his praises for all eternity. Jesus Christ, true God, begotten of the Father from eternity, and also true man, born of the Virgin Mary, is my Lord, and is your Lord, and is the Lord of all things in heaven and on earth. For by his cross alone, by his empty tomb alone, you are forgiven of every one of your sins, and eternal life in heaven is yours. To God alone be all glory, now and forever. Amen.